Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the A Minute to Midnight show. Folks, this is Tony coming to you from New Zealand. And on the show today, I have with me Joni Stahl, who is a frequent guest on the show and used to be a part of the A Minute to Midnight team. She's a good friend. Um, before I introduce Joni, though, I just want to let you people all know what's going on with our channel. Um, YouTube basically banned two videos in 10 days from the A Minute to Midnight channel, so we've got two strikes one of them was a very popular video from December 2021 that they suddenly decided to take down after all this time. Plus, they'd already taken down a trailer uh, 10 days earlier. So I can't post at the moment and we'll be walking on eggshells with YouTube again for three months because uh, another strike and they'll take the channel down. So if you're wondering why there's no videos going on YouTube at the moment from a minute to midnight, that's why. So I want to use this opportunity to remind people, please subscribe to us on our website, a minute to midnight.com because the videos won't be taken down from there. They're always posted there. And also our Rumble channel, our BitChute channel, and our Apple Podcasts channel. You can subscribe to all of those. We don't have any problems with them uh, censoring and taking down the videos. So um, folks, just make sure you don't rely on YouTube because YouTube can't be relied on. So having said that, I want to say a big hello to Joni over in California. It's good to be seeing you and talking to you again, Joni. Yeah, it's always good. I was looking forward to this time that we're going to have today. And of course, to see you, you know, face to face. I know they can't see us seeing each other. but So yeah, it's really good. You know, we had a nice little discussion before we got started. So yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's awesome. So um, you've been sharing with me a little bit about what you want to cover today, and I think it's an excellent topic. So for the most part, I'll let you run with it, Joni. Okay. Well, you know, I'm just going to run with it like I would fellowship style, you know, and I do have scriptures. I'll let everybody know. So let me just begin. Um, you know, about three or four months ago, I'll probably say about four, about four months ago, all of a sudden I just started seeing articles about Lake Mead. We have two Two of our biggest reservoirs in the United States is Lake Powell, and it feeds 42, 41 million people, and Lake Mead, which feeds about roughly 38 million people in the lower states. And then I started seeing the Colorado River was in warning status, and I and I, st- I, I thought, what is going on now? For the last 22 years, you know, because I have been doing reading, like ever since I've seen that, I started going, what is up with, what's up with Lake Powell and Lake Mead? I got to check this out, right? And so I started to read articles on how devastatingly low the water has gotten. Then I came across 
some article that said that this is the driest that it has been the worst drought in 1200 years according to a published study and how they did that was scientists measured historical moisture patterns by looking at thousands of free rings and they concluded that the west is in a mega drought the likes of which have not been seen in the region since at least 800 AD so when i saw that that really grabbed me because i said hold on a minute now i know that there has been droughts all through the centuries right so i said I want to do some more looking into this. I was looking at photographs, aerial photographs of just how bad it looked. You know, Jonathan and I took a trip a couple of years ago up through Northern California. We stopped at Shasta. That was another reservoir. It was at that point a couple of years ago, probably more like five years ago, half full. We were like, oh my gosh. So I thought, what is going on? Then I started to see about and I want to talk about just really quick about Lake Powell and Lake Mead. So Lake Powell is at such a dire point, but Lake Mead is worse. Okay. Now they're talking about Lake Mead. Okay. Now remember it feeds 38 million people and that means also in Mexico. Okay, some towns that are in northern Mexico at the border. And that also 75% of Lake Mead's water goes to agriculture in all of the southern states, including where we live right now. So just just for those that don't know the United States, where exactly are Lake Mead and Lake Powell? Lake Mead is in uh, Nevada. Uh, Lake Powell is in Utah. And so then I want to talk about the Great Salt Lake because that's a nuclear bomb waiting to go off. And so there's reports about that. And that's pretty scary. So they they being the climatologists of the you know, different every state has their own personal uh climatologists that do their own water studies okay and so they were saying they gave this was about three months ago they said they the federal government told the governors of all these states you had better get your water supply in control we're giving you 60 days to do it if you do not show water management skills and getting it under control, then we're going to federalize the water. We're going to come in and August 15th today or tomorrow will be the cutoff date because people were using water. Of course, there's so many people living here now, but you see there hasn't been any rain. There hasn't been any significant rain and the runoff from the mountains was melting before it got here because it was hotter than normal temperatures. And so you're looking at the, if you're looking at the United States, these locations are at the west inland corner around Arizona, New Mexico, California, Nevada. And that's also responsible for Colorado. It goes that, fa- goes, goes that far. So about two months ago, Lake Powell the water authorities there said, we're going to try and save Lake Mead. We're going to try to dump water. We're going to release some water, some, you know, million acre tonnage of water into Lake Mead to save it. And there was a certain day they were going to do it. And on that same day, they said, no, we're not going to do that because after we went over our statistics, 
There's no way that we can spare any water to Lake Mead. So we're going to sacrifice Lake Mead to save Lake Owl. So since that has happened, it has dropped so significantly. In fact, scientists, uh, you know, men that are men and women that are in that field of uh, climate, they said all of them are saying we don't understand it. We've never seen water disappear this fast. We don't have any answers for it. Since then, we're seeing the aerial footage is shocking. So um, I heard yesterday that Lake Powell is now going into Deadpool status. Deadpool status means there's no more water running into them anymore. And according to the climatologists, the waters were, will not be what Lake Powell and Lake Mead were, will never be again. Those are their words. Okay. Wow. That's catastrophic because when you look at 41 million people, 38 million people, and on top of that, agriculture. So on, on top of that happening, um, here in the in California, uh, parts of, uh, where is it? I think Northern Arizona, especially here like Central California, Southern California, but Eastern is the farmers have been pumping water out of the ground to the point that central California is collapsing. Because see, two years ago, water allotment was allowed to California, they, to the farmers, 27% uh, of water were allowed to them. We're talking, you know, one, one ranch would be 800,000 acres, you know, and that's hot there. Okay, so 27% of water wasn't cutting it. So what they were doing is they were shipping water in, water trucks in, and it was costing the farmers $2,000 per acre a day. So it's unsustainable. So now nothing is growing there at all. So with this happening, this is absolutely terrifying. So now, of course, there's these strict water restrictions. You can't use water if you do. There's even like tell on people phone numbers if you see your neighbor watering. Because, I mean, it is getting serious. And even the naysayers and people like, oh, we'll get through this. They're saying, they're admitting, no, it's not coming back. So, you know, and I do tell everybody, please do your own research. It's out there. Everything I'm saying can be verified. I want to talk about the Great Salt Lake. The Great Salt Lake is very is an enormous lake. I mean, I, I don't have the footage in front of me. Um, the Great Salt Lake uh, is responsible for producing brine to thousands of fish hatcheries around the world. Many minerals are mined out of that lake alone, like cadmium and all these different chemicals. They're mined from that, not to mention it's an enormous, most important ecosystem for certain birds that are traveling and they stop for a certain period over that lake and then they go on. So there's a lot at stake here. And not to mention Salt Lake City has exploded with people moving there because everybody's trying to get out of California and trying to go where they can afford it. Here's the big problem. I saw a report. And I'm not a Fox News watcher, but I saw it. There was a three minute, 25 second clip on it. 
and Shep Smith had a climatologist on. He had two climatologists on, and one was the one who was hired and is part of the government of Utah. And he's saying, see where I'm standing? He said, there's 800 square feet where I'm standing where water used to be. He said, let me tell you something. And he bent down and he picked up a handful of dirt. And he said, you see this dirt? He said, and it was fine and dry, puffy, you know, it's dry dirt, the kind the wind can carry. He said, there is, this is like a nuclear time bomb going off because when the winds start coming in during the winter and the fall, it's going to kick up all the dirt from the bottom where this water used to be. It's going to carry the dirt as a fine dust into all Salt Lake City and the surrounding suburbs. And it is has extreme high levels of arsenic. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a couple others that are very dangerous. And so they were saying this is absolutely catastrophic. They were that's the word they used. This is catastrophic. And these were his words and words of other climatologists that I that I read their reports on. They said the same thing. Salt Lake City and the surrounding suburbs will become uninhabitable. They are, yeah, they are so incredibly cancer causing. I mean, it it was absolutely horrible. Another thing I want to add too is, since I follow it closely, I saw an article that said fresh water sources, um, streams and rivers, freshwater streams and rivers are drying up at a rapid pace and NASA scientists have no answers. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Because now see, I'm starting now starting to broaden. It's not just, oh, look what's happening here and there. Um, then they're, they're saying, look, all over the world. And they were showing all over the world. They don't understand where they are all going. It is, it is so overwhelming when you start researching and you start reading the major rivers, and I'm going to talk about that in a second, the uh, Rhine River in Germany, the Thames River in London, uh, major rivers. I'm going to talk about two prophetic rivers, and that's impo- that's very important because I just don't want to talk statistics. I'm building up here. You know, and so uh, the fresh water sources, you know, billions of people are at risk as the world's water reserves dry up, according to a new study. I'm reading a note. It says more than 30 of the world's leading scientists say mountain regions, which supply a quarter of the world's population with fresh water, are drying up. And that is around 1.9 billion people. Okay. And according to other scientists I've read about, they said the caliber of this kind of world drought is not going to be like, oh, look, we're going to get some rain and it'll be okay. Now, we did speak earlier. Yeah, there's still going to be rain because we're going to talk about floods in just a second. So what are we seeing here? I started to see, uh, oh wait, let me just finish this note. It says right now, according to a NASA-led study, many of the world's freshwater sources are being drained faster than they are being replenished. Earth's glaciers and ice caps lock away over 68% of its freshwater supply, but scientists believe, of course, climate change, you know, they, they blame climate change for the rapid melting. Yet the scientists are on record saying we have no answers. 
Um, then I started to broaden everything because see, I can go crazy right now, but I'm not going to. I'm talking na our nation areas like New Hampshire, Northeast. We're talking places that get total rain. They're even saying there's rain and I, I mean, um, drought in every state, every state. They're like, people are like, oh, well, there's a drought. Nothing's growing. I mean, we're seeing total world food supply not growing. Our wheat season this year in Nebraska, the wheat only grew knee high. I saw pictures of it. It looked like straw that was bent over. Farmers are like, that's the best we can do. We don't have any water. You know, don't forget all the wheat, all the things that we have, at least I know in the United States, our bread, our pastas, whatever we have, that's from last year's supply. Okay, what about next year? All the grain silos are burning down. Look at all the food manufacturing plants that burn down. Okay, mm -hmm. come on, there's, go ahead. I, yeah, no, I'm just going to say, it seems to be unprecedented the number of food processing plants and various other things that have been either sabotaged or they've burnt down or, or something has caused them to fail. you got to say something's going on here anyway. <laughs> well, I think that, you know, even if you were, uh, you know, if you see the list, you know how they comprise lists of how many like poultry farms and millions upon millions of chickens being killed yeah. and um, food manufacturing plants are burning down, they're killing animals. The drought has been so severe. There was a 30 mile long trailer of cattle, of ranchers that were taking their cattle to be sold and slaughtered. Um, they said it's unsustainable. Uh, they cannot feed them. There's no water for them to drink. And the problem with that is those cattle had five more years on them. Okay. And that be in that five years, according to ranchers, I'm just going off what they said, that they had there was reproduction involved in the within those five years to birth more animals. That's a wipeout. That's a massive wipeout of cattle. So yeah, we'll have a bunch of meat in our stores for a while. Then after that, it's gonna be extremely expensive. So um, yeah, the worldwide drought is producing tragic consequences for farmers as well as ecosystems. Um, you know, like we talked about severe problems with supply chains and stuff. And I wanna talk about the fact that, you know, in Europe right now, uh, the Rhine River, okay, that is a major shipping trade route. You know how much feet is left in the Rhine River right now? No. 11.8 feet oh, wow. of water. Mm. That was from today's report. Yeah. Eleven point eight feet is left in it, and only the smallest barges can go through there. Mm. So it's going to have a a great effect on their fuel economy. You know, fuel, you know, everything that they use in Germany, and also to the Thames River is almost completely dried up. Um, well, the last time that happened was maybe sixteen hundreds or seventeen hundreds. Something well, like there, that. yeah, because I did some digging and I went back like floods, you know, throughout, you know, history without a doubt, not floods, droughts, yeah. right? Rivers drying up. And even like I'm going to be talking about the Nile and the Euphrates, there were times that they were, there were droughts and they were drying up, but then they were replenished even to the point of great overflowing, like the Jordan overflowing its banks. So just to say this, 
because I don't want to stay on, you know, that. Because I looked regionally, even in the Middle East, that uh, they have a major drought going there. And in Iraq, is it? No, in Iran, their largest lake, they call it the Pearl of Lakes. I forgot the exact word. And the guy standing there and he all behind him is no water. It's just empty. And that is obviously responsible for their agriculture. So we're seeing a worldwide drought. This is, we have to look at what's happening right now. This is unprecedented. We're looking at a drought, like it's not regional. It's not like, well, here or there, there's a drought. Um, we're looking at great, large countries that have significant water loss to the point where their major rivers, not little streams, which are drying up, their major rivers, like the Italian Po River, the largest river in Italy is almost completely dried up. That is responsible for all the agriculture through Italy. So, I mean, I can go on and on, but I mean, we can also go north and we can look at like the Netherlands, look at the farmers in the Netherlands. Again, I can go on and on. This is a worldwide thing. This is not like, oh, look what's happening over here. God is talking. God is talking. He's He wants to us to listen to what he's saying. I'm going to get there. It's just interesting. Just sorry. To, um, like yeah, I'm yeah, go ahead. sitting here in New Zealand, and, it seemed, and all this talk of drought seems so foreign to us here at this point because whilst we've had droughts in New Zealand before, it's we've been getting the opposite. It's like... We just seem to get significant rain events after significant rain events and storms. And New Zealand is not a country that's normally been known for tornadoes, but we've had tornadoes in the last couple of years and various things like that. And it's like sometimes it's like, oh, when is this rain going to stop? I'm sick of it. Um, so, But then we're such a small country, um, you know, compared to all of these other places with such a small population and and, and it's not to say we won't get droughts because summer could turn because it's winter here at the moment. Summer could turn around and become a drought, you know, because sometimes that's what can happen too. You end up having a lot of rain, and then if you do, then at some point it usually balances out that then you'll get none. So who knows? We might strike you it. Know, yeah. You know, I, I want to make a point right here before I go any further. I want because my whole point of being here is again not to just talk about statistics, but to point everybody to Jesus Christ. You know, it says in uh, Psalm 24, it says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. And what I'm going to show you here today, I'm going to you let the Lord speak in his own word. Because like I said, like this was just a buildup so we could discuss the fact that there is a very real, real worldwide drought. And yeah, there are floods, catastrophic floods. Like what about the one in Amsterdam a few couple months ago, shocking. Another one in Germany, one in, I believe it was Kentucky. I mean, all of a sudden floods came. I mean, it wiped out an entire town. So it is, and even in the Middle East, these horrific, like catastrophic floods where you're like, it looks like a torrential yeah. river. And, and it's very interesting too, because there was an article just I read this morning talking about 1862 the great floods in california and like where it destroyed the californian economy because everything got flooded like unprecedented and so i'm thinking yeah there's these big droughts 
Um, but the drier the land is and the harder it becomes, if, for example, I'm not saying it will happen, but if there was to be a massive rain event, then it could theoretically wipe out an area completely because of nowhere for the water to go. So, you know, California is a lot of people, and, and that's what they're saying. That they're predicting that this could happen. Now, it may happen, but, but who knows? Or it could be a long way away, or maybe it isn't, but... It just, it's very interesting. It's like something's radically going on here anyway. Well, you know, and I mean, we can't discuss every every tidbit of things, but we've discussed even just at this point what's going on with our food supply. And this is yeah. a worldwide problem because farms all over yes. Europe, they're being shut down because of, you know, greenhouses. Well, that's happening here too. And New Zealand's an agricultural country and they're doing exactly that here. They're regulating it so difficult on farmers well, I covered this in the last video with Alex Newman, but uh, New Zealand is really going under that hammer with this whole climate supposed emergency and carbon um, net zero trying to get us there. And so uh, so they're planting trees and getting rid of our food supplies, uh, you know, pine trees, which yeah. you can't eat. So it's like, it's crazy. But anyway, so yeah, you know, I don't I do want, want to derail things. I don't want to derail you. So back there you go. I'm I wanted to bring up this one article. I mean, it was a little uh, tiny article. A farmer, he wrote in and he said, listen, I have, he talks, he talked about something like I have like 800 acres. You know, that's, that's quite a lot of land. And he said, I was contacted by the government. He goes, all my equipment is John Deere equipment. Yeah. He said, I have a $900,000 tractor. He said, I was contacted by the government saying um, that we are going to make we want or it is coming. It's on the table, something like that, um, that all tractor equipment uh, will be now need to be electric. And he's like, how is that going to even happen? He goes, he said, my nine hundred thousand dollar John Deere tractor goes when it's harvest time, he said, we don't drive it anywhere else. You don't drive that thing on the street. He said, we gas up right there. We put the fuel in while it's parked in the field. And that thing runs 24 hours a day. He said, I called up John Deere and he was saying, hey, are you guys going to, I got a, a letter from the government and I want to verify this with you are you guys going to make all of your equipment electric because it's not going to work you know what that would take constantly changing out batteries those batteries weigh a ton for those kind of machines mm -hmm. so they kind of you know uh well we're we'll see we're working on it in other words they looks like they caved in so we're just looking at the ridiculous like and of course, there's a diesel oil shortage. We know about that. I know I'm kind of rabbit trailing right now, but like it really is a chain reaction because we know that the diesel oil uh, is there is. Um, well, we know that we have almost no diesel oil, diesel fuel left. What is left is so expensive. Truckers on the East Coast, they can't even find places to get diesel, not to mention there's a deal oil, deal oil shortage. Due to the fact that there is a package of chemicals, okay, there's only two companies, Chevron and one other, that in the whole nation, no one else makes diesel oil. But to make diesel oil, you need a chemical package. The chemical package comes from 
a couple of other companies. I don't know the names. I had it before. It doesn't matter. And all they they declared force majeure, act of God. So did Chevron and the other company that make diesel oil. So everybody in that arena, in that industry of trucking, farming, wherever else you need diesel oil, because you have to have those chemical components to keep your engine running smooth and nothing's burning up or whatever it is that happens. But you need those chemicals. But you, they can't even get the chemicals anymore because of the supply chain shortage. So all four of these companies declared force majeure. So now to get diesel oil, some people that have farms, they're used to getting like maybe six drums, okay? They're only allowed to get one drum and they have a ton of, a ton of work to do. So, you know, we're seeing that these things that are happening um, are happening coinciding. And it's important to say that with it because it's, if we just look at the drought, we have to say there's other things happening worldwide, okay? And we're talking to, talking about major um, countries, but yet at the same time, we're looking at other places like third world nations, South America, they're go Brazil is Brazil is doing terrible. I saw pictures of people. They don't. They're running. They're so running out of water. There was hordes of people trying to get water out of gutters. You know, I mean, it's it's becoming severe, and I don't want to keep going because I wanted I want to want to share something with you um, that's important, and that's why I'm here. Rain, we need the rain, but God is speaking when He withholds the rain. Now, again, there's rain here and there's rain there, but I'm talking right now about a worldwide drought where there is no rain. What that is responsible for millions and billions of people like we just saw, right? Um, and I was thinking about, hey, you know, there was no rain when God created the earth. A mist came out of the ground. And then the fall came and then people pop, you know, populated the earth and they became very wicked. And we know what happened. Sons of men, Genesis chapter 11, that whole thing happened. And God said, that's it. I'm going to flood the world, right? And so after 120 years of building the ark, it started to rain from heaven. It never rained from heaven before. And so it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Then it stopped. After which there was another 120 days. He was on the ark with his family. And then they are able to go on to land. During which time the Noahic covenant was given, rainbow in the sky. And I thought to myself, you know, God could have very easily gone back to saying, okay, let's, let's go back. I'm going to go on watering the earth from a mist that comes out of the ground. But he didn't. And I really thought about it today, Tony. And I thought, you know, along with that Noahic covenant, that beautiful rainbow, he said, I'm going to now continue to always let it rain. But he took something that destroyed the earth and he used it for good, for beauty. And there is a scripture. I want to share with you, and I think it's really important. It's from Job. Um, uh, let me find it. It's Job 37, 13. And I used to always look at the scripture, and it always stood out to me. So finally, here it is, because Job has something to say about it. It says, he causeth it to come rain, whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. 
See, rain is directly connected to God. That rain is his rain. It, sa it says he sends forth the waters on, upon the earth, right? It says, so I'm going to keep going. And so it says he causes it to come, whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. See, because the correction isn't to destroy men's lives. Like Jesus said, he said he came to save them. So mercy triumphs over judgment. So that correction is that he's speaking to the people when there is no water and there is no food abounding because of it, because water is life, right? We can take that in a spiritual direction. Everybody understands that right now. So we see rain is a good thing uh, from God, though it comes for correction. But again, it's only to turn people to him. Notice it says, or for mercy, right? Because his hand is always stretched out still. So the result of acknowledging him when he is withholding water is God is talking. God wants is getting our attention. God is speaking. Now, I want you to hear just a few of these verses, and it's important. Because this is what it needs to be said. Job 37, 6 and 7. For he saith to the snow, be thou on the earth, likewise to the small rain and to the great rain of his strength. He sealeth up the hand of every man, every man, that all men may know his work. Amos 4, 7. I also withheld the rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest. I would send rain on one city and no rain on another city. One field would have rain and the field on which it did not rain would wither. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. In Haggai 1.11, Haggai says, through the inspiration of the spirit, and I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and on all their labors. In Job 12, 15, it says, Behold, he withholdeth the waters, and they dry up. Also, he sendeth them out. They overturn the earth. Moses, Elijah, and Solomon had something to say about it. Moses said in Deuteronomy eleven seventeen, Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heaven so that there will be no rain, and the land will yield no fruit. And you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. Elijah says, uh, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. When King Solomon was dedicating the temple in 1 Kings 8, 35 through 36, in his prayer, he says, when heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you. If they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou afflictest them, then hear thou in heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and thy people Israel, that thou teach them the good way wherein they should walk and give rain upon the land, which thou hast given to thy people for an inheritance. Now, let me say this. It's important. I do not believe in replacement theology. What was for the Old Testament, what was this was exclusively what these scriptures were exclusively for was he was dealing with the Jewish nation, yet also the Gentile people were partakers of that. OK, so I want to be very clear that I'm not taking those scriptures and force fitting them here. We're seeing God's mind on things. OK, so the New Testament I see is a carryover of that same 
correction slash mercy. Like I'm getting your attention, but there's more to this because God is good. He causes it to rain on the just and the unjust, right? So, so for however, at this time of the end, this worldwide drought is not going away. It's not going away. Okay. And I'm saying this again, I don't want to take up all the time just with tons of stuff that I've researched. And I'm not just reading articles from, you know, random journalists, but really excellent reports from the right sources. Um, in the book of Revelation, it lasts the entire time until the trib period, through the trib period. And remember, even during that time through the judgments, what starts happening when the seals start opening and the vials, you know, all those things. We're, the first thing that happens is wormwood slams into the uh, ocean. And then there's another big thing that looks like a mountain coming from the sky. Notice the rain comes from heaven. It's like God left the rain on purpose to remind us that he turned something evil, but he used it for good. It keeps you looking up because rain comes from him. It's his. So let me narrow it down now, Tony. There are two ancient rivers that started out in the Garden of Eden. There were four, but the only two that are mentioned in prophecy are the River Euphrates and the Nile River. So the River, the Euphrates River is mentioned in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, in a prophecy that is prophesied to occur just before Jesus returns. During the Great Tribulation, when global destruction of the last days is threatening the very existence of the entire earth, we see a scripture, we see a verse in Revelation 16, 12, John wrote, and the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now, I do not believe that has happened yet, because there's still some water left in that river. But it's at the point that God, when that vial is poured out, that's when it'll dry up. I mean, come on, if he can part the ocean, right? The Red Sea, and they go by on dry land, what's, you know, it's not a big deal to God anyway. So during the coming battle during the Great Trib, just before the attack upon Israel by China, we believe it's China and the other countries to the east, the Euphrates River will be removed as being an obstacle by being dried up. This will permit the march of a 200 million man army to reach the Valley of Jehoshaphat, which is Armageddon, just as Christ returns to fight against them. And you can read about that in Revelation 19:16. So this is this is already evident as we see this being the current trend of this prophetic drought in this region and the dramatic swift decrease in the Tigris and Euphrates River in recent years is the first stage of the fulfillment of this prophecy. So it clearly appears that this is an important indication how close we are to the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Nile drying up was prophesied by Isaiah Ezekiel and Zechariah. Let me show you. And Isaiah, and these are all future. None of these have happened yet. Okay. Isaiah 19, 5 through 7. And the waters of the sea will be dried up, and the river, the Nile, will be dry and parched, and its canals will become foul. And the branches of Egypt's Nile will diminish and dry up. Reeds and rushes will rot away. There will be bare places by the Nile, on the brink of the Nile. And all that is sown by the Nile will be parched. 
will be driven away and will be no more. In Ezekiel, it says, he shall pass through the sea of troubles and strike down the waves of the sea and all the depths of the Nile shall be dried up. The pride of Assyria shall be laid low and the scepter of Egypt shall depart. We know that the Antichrist is referred to as the Assyrian. Um, Egypt plays a direct part during the thousand year millennial reign. They're remembered for the wickedness that they did. They have a diminished role, of course. Zechariah 1, Zechariah now, he says, and he shall pass through the sea with affliction and shall smite the waves in the sea and all the deeps of the river, which is the Nile, shall dry up and the pride of Assyria shall be brought down and the scepter of Egypt shall depart away. So it's important to remember that these are the borders, the Nile and the Euphrates are the borders of the Abraham Royal Land Grant Covenant. Genesis 15, 18, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, to your offspring, I give this land from the river Nile of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. That's pretty important. So what is interesting is the location of the royal land grant that will be fulfilled only during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, immediately following the battle of Armageddon. It is also important to note that the epicenter of the 21 judgments, battles and wars will take place and be concentrated in the very vicinity of the Middle East. Um, though it's a worldwide judgment, Jesus referred to refers to as the rest of the world being caught in a snare. That's what he meant in Luke 21, I believe it's 36. I want to also bring something up about the Great Tribulation. In Revelation 6, 8, he says, I looked and behold a pale horse and its rider's name was Death and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. An interesting thing to bring up about the two witnesses in Revelation 11, 6, it says, they have the power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. And they prophesy for 1,260 days. That's a long time that, you know, doesn't, it says that uh, they have power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying and power over the waters. So you could just see them saying, you're not getting any rain. So if this is happening right now worldwide, we're looking at some, we're looking at movement. We're moving towards this, okay? This is not just, you know, I think we're so horizontal in our thinking and we're so statistically minded that we forget, we need to look up, we need to know about the time that we're living in because God wrote to us and he made sure to write about these Two rivers. When we see now these two rivers, and we're not just saying, oh, they lost a few feet. We're talking they're almost completely dried up. Okay. And so we are, God is moving. God is speaking to us right now. He's making it clear. He cannot make it any clearer. Let me keep going. Not to mention, I think this is important, that Amos speaks of a spiritual drought. In Amos 8, 11 through 12, he says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. 
and they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the west. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. See, this, this is future. This is a prophecy because he says the days will come that I will send a famine. And this is at the end. Now, he doesn't say there's going to be a famine of the word. We know the word is going to go on being preached through the tribulation. There's even Revelation chapter 14 where an angel, for the first time we read an angel flying through the skies, through the first heavens, preaching the gospel of the judgment of Jesus Christ. So he says, I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst of water, but the hearing. So people don't hear anymore. So that tells me when it says they're running to and fro trying to seek it, that tells me God has now turned the earth over. He's turned it over now, okay? Because you see, God has given 2,000 plus years for people to know his word and understand him. You know, you know what I'm saying? I and mean, he's written the whole Bible, but most people, and this is not me looking down on people. This is not me beating my chest and standing above everybody. Anybody can read the Bible. If you really have a heart and you really want to know, start reading your Bible. Start, at, start asking questions. God will pray about it. Ask God, show, show me in your own word. God wrote that word for you so that you will open up and read it. And it's the living word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain forever. It stands forever. Everything that's written in here will come to pass. So when he's saying there's going to be a famine of hearing the words of the Lord, um, and that's pretty significant because that also tells me that um, Christians are not going to be very welcome on the earth. If you're a believer, people are going to hate you and they're going to want to kill you. They're going to blame you for everything. Let me keep going. So even after all that is said and done, God still maintains his position on reign. God's standing penalty during the millennial reign. So I'm now going to go hop into the millennial reign here for a second. In Zechariah chapter 14, 16 through 19, it says, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be that those that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up and come not up, that have no rain, there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord shall smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. Look, he could have come up with any kind of punishment. He could have said, Anything, there's plenty of punishments, the four sore judgments we read about, okay? But he said, I'm not going to give you rain because rain means life. See, there's something connected with him and him drying up the earth. Are you following? So God, God's standing promise, he has a standing promise during famines. And he has written to us, here's just a couple, Psalm 37, 19. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. And in Job 5, uh, 19, he says, he shall deliver thee in six troubles. Yea, in seven, there shall no evil touch thee. In famine, he shall redeem thee from death and in war from the power of the sword. Thou shalt be hid from the scourge of the tongue. 
Neither shalt thou be afraid of destruction when it cometh. At destruction and famine, thou shalt laugh. So here's what I want to say, what I want to leave everybody with. The first thing we have to understand is this scripture is perfect, and it's in Psalm 46. God is my refuge and strength, a present help in time of trouble. Um, he goes on to talk about that time because he says here in Psalm 46, he says, therefore will not we feel fear though the earth be removed. The earth is going to be removed during that time. There's going to be no mountains left. You can read that in Revelation 16. I looked and there were no more mountains. I didn't see any islands either. It says, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, like I just read, Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, they're going to be slammed down with meteor showers and wormwood and that burning other burning mountain. Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, listen to what it says, there is a river. There is a river. There is an eternal river that flows. It says, whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. That was Sinai. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. And I believe this is during the millennial reign now, these next chapters. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Emmanuel, right? He's Emmanuel, God with us. And you know, let me say something. That chapter begins and ends and bookends with the same words. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And those seven, I call it the seven is his chapter. It's God is our refuge. There is a river. God is in the midst. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The Lord of hosts is with us. Notice that said twice. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And Jesus Christ is the one which was and is and is to come, the Almighty. We're hastening toward that day, Tony. We are fast tracking towards the second coming of Jesus Christ. We are watching with our very own eyes words from Ezekiel, words from Amos, words from Isaiah, things we read years ago. We didn't understand. We didn't see it. We're seeing it happen today. Because he's coming again and he wants us to understand that he is ever present, the ever present Christ. And when Christ is the ever present Christ, that means his love is ever present. His protection is ever present. He will speak to you. He will minister to you. He will lead you. He will guide you into all truth. He is closer to you than air. He lives in you. He died for you. You are raised and seated in heavenly places. I mean, I like I said, I read this scripture to you and I'll say this uh, uh, to everybody else. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. 
But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So we are tucked in Christ. In other words, when I read that, I say to myself, I see I'm already there. I'm here physically, spirit, soul, and body. But at the same time, I feel I'm already there by Christ. We are tucked into Christ, Christ in us. He's going to see us through. Yes, what we're seeing is coming. And it's a great force that's too great for us because this is going into Satan's hour and his power. Don't be shaken up. You know, a lot of people are like, but look what's happening at the White House. And look, listen. God has a plan. You're watching him, the God of all the earth. He's bringing, he bring his son. His son is getting ready to set up his kingdom of righteousness. And the last thing I want to leave everybody with is one of my favorite quotes from William Gurnall. He was a Puritan that was alive during the uh, early 1600s, I think 1602. And he said, for God hath placed us on the battlefield with courage, and he will take us off with honor. Amen. I mean, it's, it's a very good quote. Yeah, wow. Boy, that was jam-packed with information, and you've done a great job of researching this. It's certainly an eye-opener. I haven't really heard anyone put this together like this before. It's really amazing. So, wow. Thank you, Joni. That was just, I'm just sitting back listening, um, and really appreciating the work that you've put into that. Well, you know, I give all credit to the Lord because I was just compelled. And, you know, I am his and he is mine, right? He's all my desire. And, you know, he knows how to talk to us and show us things because you know what? In Job, it says, for God does speak in one way yet another. Though man does not perceive it, God is talking right now. I mean, I'm not going to say any more because, like you said, it was jam-packed. It's all been said. People can go back over it. But we, we're getting, the Lord's getting ready in his second coming. We have time to go yet still. But he wants us to understand right where we are. This isn't like any other time. This is, this is the end of, as we know at the time, the end. And we are alive and if we are alive in him, that means there's purpose. We have purpose and there's power in that purpose. And we have power with Christ. Like Jacob, when he worked with Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ at the end of the night and in the morning, he touched the hollow of his thigh and he was given a new name. And then it went on to say about him. And I believe it was in chapter 32 of Genesis. It said at that point, it was said of him that Jacob was a prince of God who had power with God and prevailed. And because he was a man of prayer and he wrestled with the pre-incarnate Christ, God regarded him as a prince that prevailed. We're the prevailing children of the house of God. That's great. Yeah. Um. So 
can you tell the listeners where they'll find you online and then maybe finish with praying if for, for everyone, if you don't mind? Sure. Um, people can find me on, uh, I have a YouTube channel. It's Joni Stahl's Field Notes. I am also on Rumble and BitChute, so you can always look for me there. And make sure you subscribe, and I'm going to pray. Father in heaven, it is with great joy and humility. We're also humbled, Lord, in your presence. Lord, when I think about what David said, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, thy moon and the stars, what is man that thou art mindful of him? the son of man, that thou visitest him. And Lord, we're so thankful that you were in this message. We just, I just ask you right now, Lord God, to deepen these words into the hearts of all the people, as you always would say, let these sayings sink down into your ears. Lord, I pray that, Lord, that you began to strengthen your people, to encourage them that you are the ever-present God. and Whatever happens in this world with the drought and all these things that are coming, you know all about it. You're already a thousand steps ahead of everything. So, Lord, be their strength. Be their song. Give them joy. Let them laugh at sudden destruction when it cometh. And let them shine bright like stars in the universe as they personally hold out the word of life to everybody scared around them. And let everybody know You are coming again, Lord. You are coming again to set up your kingdom of righteousness, and it's so near. Amen. Thank you for letting us be a part of the end. Thank you for that perfect love that casts out all fear. Fear cannot dwell in your presence. So I pray for your presence to surround all of your people. And as William Gurnall said, you put us on this battlefield with courage. And you will take us off with honor. Amen. And we'll go in with rejoicing. Amen. With palm branches and rejoicing. Thank you for all you're doing, Jesus. We declare your glory. We're so proud of you, Jesus. We are so proud of you. We love you so much. And we extol you as the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the King of kings our elder royal brother, and our best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Joni. That was really awesome. And um, yeah, it was great to have you back on the show. Folks, don't forget a minute to midnight too. Make sure you subscribe to us on our website, as I mentioned at the start. And also remember that we do run it 100% by donations, and it's always appreciated when people help us. Um, the music used I've written, played and recorded and that's all I really want to say so thank you Joni, it was um, really great to have you It was a great pleasure, thank you so much for having me on, see you next time Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.